I'm Ben Klunt. And I'm Stephen Brown. In 2019, we started this podcast as an accountability tool for our health and our business goals. Through our discussions, interviews, and sharing of our successes and difficulties, we've learned we have a passion for leadership. In 2020, we're striving to grow our own leadership abilities by focusing on learning from great leaders in business and life, and continue to share our successes and struggles on this journey. We'll continue to have raw and candid conversations while sharing our own insights and experiences with our goal being to grow as leaders and as people. You're You're listening listening to Ordinary to Extraordinary. We are recording, Ben. Don't know why I sung. Yeah, why did you do that? (laughs) (laughs) So, we'll start it with this. Stephen likes karaoke. I love karaoke. Stephen thinks he's good at karaoke. Stephen knows he's good at karaoke. (laughs) Stephen is confident. Yeah. So, if you ever want to go to the Monterey, anybody, and sing some karaoke... Steven will do social distance karaoke with you. <laughs> I don't think they're doing karaoke just now. Um, what? Because oh. usually don't start at till nine at night. But I have appropriated oh. a phrase from one of our mutual friends, <laughs> and I love it. I have confidence for no apparent reason. <laughs> Is that uh, P Money? No, Miss Nadine Burgess. Uh, is that what she says? She says it all the time. And she said her mum used to say that she had confidence for no apparent reason. <laughs> and I mean, I'm the same. I'm not the best looking. I'm not the. But hey, I'll act like I am. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. So uh, I'm glad you realised that, Stephen. Yeah. Give me some of that, would you? <laughs> you you're a confident dude. For I'm the most part. Dude. I'm not Stephen confident, but no. I'm a confident dude. But a lot of most of the time. I would say I back my confidence up with action and and such, which is going to lead into what or, we're talking about or, or, today. Or denial. Yeah, that too. <laughs> um, Seems like, nope, that didn't happen. Yes, Steve, it's right here on video. That's not me. That's Photoshop. So we called an audible, or we did not call an audible last week. Benny Boo called an audible last week. In the middle of our recording, and Stephen was so excited. I, I talked about competition and MJ a lot. Yeah. Um, I think it was a good talk so when I was editing that and I left it till late yesterday I don't know why I didn't do it till like 8 o'clock last night because it goes live at midnight um, I uh, enjoyed it good. sort of listening to little parts of that again hope other people do um, <laughs> you, you talked a lot well it's funny when we started this I used to hate the sound of my voice and I don't know that I don't hate it anymore it's You're just, just that used I'm used to, to it. it yeah yeah so today we're going to follow up competition with something that's actually pretty closely linked we were going to talk last week before Ben called the Audible about starting a podcast. Mm-hmm. Ben asked this morning, hey, are we going to talk about that or do you want a different topic? And I said, well, let's stick with that, but let's use that as a story as part of a broader topic. Yeah, frame so, it, if you will. Yeah. yeah, so today's topic, we think, is going to be a good one. <laughs> oh, I thought you said um, we think is going to be like a cert. But oh. the, the idea today we want to talk about is commitment and follow through. So the reason that the podcast is a good story to tell for that 
and we've probably touched on this before in the origin story of the podcast but long story short we started a podcast as an accountability tool we both had really good 2018s and wanted to follow up with a really good 2019 which we ended up doing but we wanted to tie it to some other goals that we had and we basically said hey we're going to get fit we're going to put our business in good shape and we're going to along the way interview some cool people talk about some cool shit and grow through the process so i'm going to call ben out a little bit here after we had the discussion <laughs> why are you laughing yeah because i already know what you're going to do i had sent some text messages and some emails and got sort of lackluster responses from him and i'm definitely pragmatic and i will figure out how to do shit but often i'll figure out how to do shit and then sit back on it as opposed to act and i, I realized a bunch of links to eat, to yep. mixing boards and microphones, microphones yep. and stands so i realized that we're both a little like that we have great thoughts but don't always act. Dude, that's not just us, dude. That's the whole world. But I, re- I, like I said, the realization I had was one of us, we can't have two pragmatists. We have to have two pragmatists and an action man. Yeah. And I became the action man and I just ordered shit and then told you the next day, hey, by the way, I ordered six or $700 worth of equipment. <laughs> and you were like, wait, what? And I was like, yeah, I ordered. I think it was like 400 and something. No, cause... when all was said and done, it was about 600 because <laughs> I ordered it in pieces. Um, in different oh, yes. portions, so um, we got the extra mics eventually. <laughs> we uh, so I got it, got it all, and basically told him. And I think it was a couple of weeks later. You then me the money once we'd used it once, um, and we'd actually recorded one episode on phone before yep, I ordered the equipment one, as well, yep. or I ordered the equipment. Yeah, no, we ordered the I don't equipment know because how we did that. Yeah. yeah. But I, I basically knew that if we had the equipment and we set a time and we put stuff on the calendar and we started to build out a framework that Ben would get on board because it was something he would be passionate about. And Well, and we committed to doing it for a year. So there was a time frame associated yeah, with it. Yeah, at least. Yeah. Well, we, well our initial yeah. commitment was a year, mm-hmm. right? And we had so multiple we had meetings about it. And you got more and more excited about it as as time went on yeah. and we went through a little phase where we thought we had to script everything where it was like let's have a whiteboard with all our stuff on it let's have a sheet with the full <laughs> and after about one of those we were like yeah fuck that and That's... then there was a time or two i can point to where we've both walked in and be like so what's our topic for today mm-hmm. <laughs> that doesn't happen very often but there definitely has been once or twice where we've walked in and not known what we're going to talk about. And it's about. led to solid discussions, to be fair. A lot we've of those are some of the best. Because yeah. Yeah. sometimes it's just, you know, it's just doing it, which goes to that action, follow-through portion. Yeah. And we got commitment. Yeah, and, and that's kind through. of... But that was... So if we want to talk about commitment and follow-through, a lot of podcasts started up mm-hmm. around Spokane. Yep. Mm-hmm. COVID hit, and a lot of them didn't put anything out. Well, and people then, in general haven't put stuff out. Or people start a podcast and say, we're going to do this once a week, we're going to do this every other week, we're going to do this once a month, and they'll do it for a minute, but then there's no consistency. Nope. We just released episode 85, and from the Today. time we said we were going to do one a week, we've done one a week. There has been no week that we haven't released something. Yeah, that's true. And they've always been recorded. And, and we promise we will have more interviews. Mm-hmm. We're getting some lined up right now. It's consistent. Now. It's... Uh, you know, even if it's just a thirty-minute, we've had some thirty-minute podcasts that were like, "Well, Not we don't have much else though. to report." Yeah, that's um, a bit quick, if any. But anyway, the podcast 
as the the baseline for this is that we said we were going to do it. It might have taken a little coercion, but we did it. And now we continue to do it because we get feedback that people like it and we enjoy it. It's like a therapy session. I think some of, of the most uh, probably valuable comments to me, I think were from Harry Sladich, I think is the one who said it, and Philip Tyler said it as well. Um, I think those were the two. There might have been a couple more like that of our interviewers that just be like, hey, I appreciate what you're doing here with the podcast. Like it's it's having a positive effect on our city. And I was like, huh, like not something that I necessarily saw, but for you to say that. Being Tom people Simpson that, said that too. That's who it was, Tom Simpson. Yeah, too. It's like for you to say that is impactful to mm-hmm. me at least, right? Because a lot of the time these things, I don't think, and I'm speaking for myself, not necessarily for Stephen, but it's like I don't, I don't get like a lot out of this, right? We don't get paid to do this. We don't, I mean, it, it's fun. We get to catch up. It's a release of some kind for us to be able to talk, right? Since we both like to talk about ourselves. <laughs> but so we get to do that and you guys somehow listen. But yeah, so we get to do that. But to know that it's having a broader impact, I think was a lot more meaningful for me when those times you're like, God, sometimes it's like, why are we continue doing this again? And then it's like, oh, there's people out there that listen that enjoy it and it's having an impact mm-hmm. on them and I mean like, like we said before so we've had people come up and say like hey really appreciate your podcast it's given me some good insights that you uh, shared in your last one and I'm going to work on implementing that it's like wow yeah that's cool there's also been some really really deep connections that have been made by podcasts that I haven't shared on there because it's I mean people tell you these things in confidence and you don't explicitly say hey can yeah. I talk about this yeah. even if you're not using their name you don't want them to listen and go oh, god I didn't know I was giving you material to to discuss me and discuss my issues and morph into totally so no there's been some really deep things that people have said hey I appreciated you talking about this can you give me some insight I've met with people um, for coffee after they've listened and, and they've asked for advice on everything from starting podcasts to you know, do you know any therapist to see? Is there a way for you to help me do this or that? Or, so it's impactful for us because, I mean, it's wonderful knowing that you help people, but it's really rewarding knowing that something that we chose to follow through on and that we've been really consistent with is helping people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've said from day one on this podcast that my goal on a daily basis is to help as many people as I can. Yeah. And the so, reason for that is that I believe that your uh, your income is directly proportionate to the amount of people you meet. Or help, sorry. Yeah, the, the, the you value help. you demonstrate. Yeah. yeah. And the more people you meet, the more people you can help. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, the, the more value you have to demonstrate, the more people you know. But mm-hmm. what's... So a couple of things that I, I want to... I saw you writing down stuff. Yeah, I was I writing down do stuff here. Scribbling like a maniac over there. <laughs> my little pen smoking is so right now commitment follow through and the 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 interesting part here is i i wrote down a couple of things that i think i wanted to talk about with regard to commitment one of them being passion right because i think in order to commit to something you need to be passionate about it if you really want to because there's going to be hard times and there's going to be struggles. you can commit but not for the long term i don't think and have it be passionate and happy and fulfilling and then the other part is when you follow through you need to follow through all the way to the end right not just start and i think a lot of people with regard to like a podcast they start a podcast they say the cadence at which they'd like to release the podcast and then 
they release four at one time and go six months and then forget they have a podcast and then they release one and then it becomes just an interesting cycle, right? There's no real way. So the follow-through, it's, I think, almost the most important portion, right? Because a follow-through, well, commitment is in follow-through, if that makes sense. It's like you got to commit to follow. But you can't follow through and not have committed. Yeah. Because that doesn't happen. But the follow-through is what leads to the success at the end of it all, right? The only reason why this successful this podcast would have any success is because of the actual follow-through. Yeah. I agree with about 80%. Yeah, I know. You you're not going to like the passion. About, commitment no, 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 no. I think you do have to be passionate in order to be committed. I think there's a nuance to it, though. Oh, so... I don't think you have to be passionate about what you commit to. I think you have to be passionate about what you are doing in order to achieve what you commit to. So that I'll break it down. You might not... I can give you a personal insight into this. You were passionate last year about getting in better shape. Your back hurt. You knew you weren't looking as good. Your pants and your shirts were fitting a little tighter than they should. So you got passionate about the result. Mm -hmm. You didn't get passionate about going to the gym. Yeah. So the passion part is important. I just don't think you have to be passionate about the actions. I think you have to be passionate about the vision. And I don't or disagree. Or your part in the vision. I don't disagree, but there yeah. has to be some type of passion, yeah, right? Exactly. If it's just pure grit that you're trying to use to get you through it, I think at some point you're going to burn out. Mm -hmm. I mean, unless you just have some weird mental fortitude. That no one else has. Or you need a basement full of new shoes. <laughs> or you're stupid. But the other part of that, which I think is interesting, that goes along with that, that I wrote down, was mental health, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you're not doing something you're passionate about and that you've made a commitment to doing, I mean, it's going to be hard to be strong mentally because, again, we go back to finance and credit card press. I mean, there's times where it sucks hardcore and it's really freaking hard and I want to quit and I want to walk away. And if anybody thinks I'm successful at 31 years old, it's because of the commitment and follow through, right? It's like I, I committed to being there for my clients, mm -hmm. committed to providing for my family. And yeah. you follow through on that. Well, you, it's clear from a young age. And nowadays, I don't think we see as much of this. So here we go with Stephen's Parenting Advice 101. I was raised <laughs> in a very different place from you, Ben. But I know geographically. Well, just yeah. geographically, economically. Um, fuck. Yeah, I know you didn't have to walk home and get beat up once a week. So, you know, it's, as far as you know, it, I got verbally beat up. <laughs> I got physically. You remember beat my up. lips and my ears, dude. Yeah. Imagine what these looked like on a high schooler. Feared for my life, and there's different kinds of abuse and bullying and all that stuff. But I mean. We did grow up in a different place, but regardless of whether we were thousands of miles away, I know our parents instilled a quality in us mm -hmm. that lives with us to this day. Don't start if you're going to quit it. Just don't do it. If you start something, if you say you want to join chess club for a season, you're in until the end of the season. You don't get to not show up. You don't get to ditch out. But don't start something if you feel you're going to quit it. Mm hmm and if you do start it, we won't let you quit it. Unless it's causing you physical harm or mental harm. or Yeah, something. There's so always the asterisk. Nowadays, parents 
We'll be like, and and it can be as simple as the kid is really interested. We use keep using chess as the the example. The kid loves chess. The kid's been playing chess for ten years, but he can go to school and do it, or he can sit in his room with a screen and do it. And he wants to do it in his room with a screen, right? Or he wants to be in his room playing Fortnite or Call of Duty or whatever the hell they do these days, right? <laughs> but it can be as simple as one day they decide they don't want to go. And yeah. you let them quit, and you don't hold them to their commitment. You don't hold them to following through for their teammates, for their coach, for their friends, for their family. That you know, you've already made plans to get them a ride to well, and from, and all that stuff. And nowadays, I feel like parents allow their kids at a younger age to make the decisions for them, as opposed to now you're going to go to gymnastics, you're going to go to soccer, you're going to go to basketball, even though you told me you don't want to today. Yep, we're going to we're going to test this because the parent has been there, right? The kid. I mean, this is. The, the job of a parent to protect your kid from doing stupid things and making bad life decisions because their brain is not fully developed yet to be able to make those decisions, right? So you're allowing your child to make a decision mm-hmm. like that that later on they'll probably regret, right? And you as, an, as a, a parent of that child will probably pre- regret letting your kid quit too. Again, asterisk, mm-hmm. mental harm or f- uh, physical harm, that's one thing, right? But... It's, I mean, you always feel better, at least in my opinion, when you follow through and you commit till the end and you get it done. Yeah. You could have said, ha, I did that. That was a bitch. I'm never doing it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? But you finished it. Yeah. Right? It's like you always want to finish the race. You always want to finish it. Give yourself a timeline, if nothing else, and commit to, it's like running, right? It's like, I'm going to go for a run. I'm not going to commit to an hour run, but I'm going to commit to 15 minutes. And then this is how I sometimes will do it. It's like, and then I'm going to commit to another 15 minutes. And then I was like, oh, you know, I, I'm I'm halfway through. Like, All right. like I could I could do 10 minutes. So well, let me ask I you. I could this. do 10 minutes. Don't twist this on me, you bastard. No, I'm going okay. to ask. I'm not going to twist it on you. I'm going to ask your opinion, and then I want to offer my insight as a non-parent. What do you deem success as a parent to be? And it can be as simple. Or Are as we looking at the like in like a, a day, weeks? Because I would say here, I'll, give, I'll give you this answer. Okay, this is here's my answer. Are they happy when they're older? Right. I mean, did my kid grow up, and are they happy and productive in society? Mm-hmm. That would be my overarching one. Okay. If they're happy, if you wait, I mean, if you are a parent. And your kid, you're 30 years old, we'll say, and your kid is like, I'm, I'm happy, man. I'm living what I want to do, and I'm contributing in a positive way to those around me. Okay. So your kid's the happiest kid on earth, 30 years old, okay. living in your basement, playing video games, and makes you smile a few times a day. Is that contributing? Is that happening? No, I wouldn't say that's contributing to okay. society. All right. So you didn't say society, you said the people around them. Um, but here's here's, oh, well, here's my view on parenting. I said right? society and then I said the people around them. Actually, the first time I did say society. And I think at first it's going to sound harsh. And when I break it down and explain it, I think you probably will agree with me, right? Okay. I believe your job as a parent is to do what you can in order to become completely obsolete in your child's life. I get that. And so for people listening that just went, you want to be obsolete, you don't want your kid... No. It's the opposite of what you you want as a parent. Still want you to be in your kid's life. But your kid should be self-sufficient by about 18. So that when they go to college, they can act appropriately, be young adults, 
make silly mistakes, but not the kind of silly mistakes that are going to harm them forever and ever and ever, and still know that they can pick the phone up and call and ask you for advice, mm-hmm. knowing fine well that sometimes you'll give advice and they'll go the opposite way. So, again, coming back to the, the obsolete part, I moved to a different country at 21. Since I've been here, I've never borrowed money from my parents, never asked them for money. I'm very self-sufficient. But in the hardest times, I can still pick the phone up and talk to them about anything I need to talk to mm-hmm. them about. And it's like, we haven't missed a beat. Probably don't talk to my mom and dad as much as I should, more than I used to after my accident where I shattered my arm. I definitely made more of an effort to be more present. How did they them. react after you got in a car wreck and shattered your arm and stuff? I mean, if I was a parent, I would have been on a freaking airplane. Uh, they came a couple months later. Did they? Yeah. yeah. But I would have been like, I'm getting my... I think it was... So I think a lot of positive came out of it, though, because they realized that I had a support structure here. I had uh. people at the hospital. They were talking to a different person at the hospital every day and realizing there was six or eight people in my bedroom trying to help me, you know? Uh, that's um, good. It gives them comfort, I'm yeah, sure, too. You know, because... To my, my son's alone in a yeah. hospital in another country. But, so that there's my thing on parenting, and I think all parents should commit and follow through to making yourself obsolete and here's a here's a a follow-on from that if you will i think that's what leadership is as well leadership is about training everybody below you and showing everybody hey i'm not the be all and end all you are and the people around you are and your job is to replace me Mm -hmm. so that i can replace someone else and it goes up the food chain like that and if you think about it, a lot of people don't set out with that, I'm going to make myself obsolete thing mindset. They yeah. set out to protect their nest, if you like, yeah. instead of letting people in and saying, Again, hey, here's how this is done. scarcity mindset, abundance mindset, right? I mean, those with the scarcity mindset, you just want to kind of hoard all your chips versus sharing them and compounding your chips. Yeah. So here's, here's an expression I heard on this, Uh-oh. and I, I don't know who to give the credit to, but I love this, and you know I love quotes. You're a quote man. But it's a question, and it's this. Are you preparing your child for the road, or are you preparing the road for your child? So are you one Mm -hmm. step ahead of your child, trying to make everything smooth and make sure that they never have bad experiences? Yeah. Or are you preparing them in a way that, hey, shitty things are going to happen, they're going to happen frequently, and and how you react to them is more important than trying not to make them happen. Well, I think that's why the, the, those those parents that isolate their children, and now we're getting totally off topic, that isolate their we'll children their from back. the world, right? Yeah. It's like, that doesn't work. You can't isolate your kid from the world and then expect them to go live and be productive later on, right? You need to instill positive ethics and morals in your children and then teach them how to live in the world, right? I mean, if we're going back to biblical things, it's like, think about who Jesus hung out with. I mean, he wasn't hanging out with all the Puritans. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was hanging out with the freaking criminals and nasty people who hadn't bathed in days right i mean welcome to society people yeah <laughs> you, you got to teach your kids how to be good people in society absolutely right? so let's get back on to i also can you write down because i don't want to type um write down competition afterthought because i want to oh. touch on something that we talked about last week that i've really been engaged with mentally are you gonna remember yeah, just that will that will that will uh, give me the jolt that I need. But before competition we, after that. Yeah, but before we get there, what I wanted to kind of move to was that commitment and follow through is often 
looked at as bragging or boastful sometimes in the wrong way right and i'm going to put it to you like this because i know your sales office does this as well so you're in sales you're a producer november december you start projecting for the next year right do you have to say your target out loud to other people do you have to share it with other people and say this is what i plan on doing is that a question for me yes yeah we put it up on a board i keep track of everybody's goals and then the new money for the year but Mm -hmm. they set their own goal yeah, they set their own goal. Yeah, so we don't set their goal for them. But they have to call their shot, right? Yeah. Now, you don't need to name names. I won't name names on my team either. But how often do you see someone set a goal and you look at them and you go, you've got the skill set to do double that. You've got the the tools and the ability to go out and do more than that. And mm. you're lowballing yourself. Not uh, honestly. So we, we have... I better watch what I say, right? Is that doesn't happen too often okay. at our firm. It sometimes goes the other direction. <laughs> People set these outrageous goals and you're like, That's you've when have you ever done that? <laughs> that was gonna be my like, next question. So And then they do it every year and they continue to do it and they never hit it. What we do is sometimes we create these goals and then don't have the commitment or follow through. People have the ability, right? And where I'm going with this is I have made complete peace with the fact that every now and again there's going to be a month that I don't hit the goal I have to hit. Mm -hmm. But I'm also, and I learned this from Peyton Manning when he talked at one of our conferences, one of our Heartland conferences, he said, look, I lost a lot of games in my career because he had like a 12, 15 year career. He said, I lost a lot of games in my career, but I never walked off the field feeling like I didn't prepare and I hadn't done everything I could to win the game. And that's where I'm at. So I call my lofty goals, go full Babe Ruth and say I'm hitting the home run over centre field. And sometimes I don't do it. But I'm okay with it because I know that the follow-through and the commitment to get to that goal was there and it usually just compounds into the next month or further down the line, right? Where I put up double the next month or I'm pissed that I lost so I go and I get it, right? So others, I think, call those lofty goals and then don't put the action, the commitment and the effort in to see the results, right? So when they call their lofty goal, they actually reach a point where they make peace with not getting to the goal mm-hmm. because the first two or three, you know, and we've talked about this with Warren Gresh, is it's like when people go to the gym for the first three, four weeks of January yeah, and they spend hundreds of dollars on new gear gym membership and they do a little bit a lot and or sorry they do a lot a little bit instead of a little bit a lot right and by that i mean they go every day for a week and they can't walk the next monday and their chest hurts and their back sore and they're miserable and they haven't eaten they've cut down to 1500 and then it's just the binge eat and they're like i'm not going today and then that becomes a month of not going yeah. and it's a cycle as opposed to Today I'm going to start with a 20 minute walk with a dog and I'm going to try and do five push-ups mm-hmm. on the hour every hour. Something like that, right? And then the next day it's like, oh, I'm going to do a 30 minute walk, minute walk and 10 push-ups on the hour every hour. Oh, yeah. Or maybe, so you just, it's incremental growth. So I think in order to be committed and truly follow through on something, you set lofty goals, but you set times and principles and, and things that are non-negotiable on a daily basis in order to get you to those goals. 
And, so, and I'll say, because I know you and I have had this goals discussion before. It's like, I think there for some people, setting lofty goals is good. And then for others, it's <laughs> mental. I mean, I know for me, it doesn't always work. Like, it makes me feel worse. And then you're like, go into this spiral. Like, that can be uh-huh. that you just don't feel good about, it, right? It's like, you don't hit it. Oh, no, I didn't hit it. Damn. So it's like, I think having realistic goals, mm-hmm. right, is, is important too. Like challenging, yet realistic, and then raise them. You know, if you hit it, raise it. Disagree with that. But I know you okay. do. But that's why I say, but I, I mean, you can disagree with it. But for some people, the big, hairy, audacious goal thing just doesn't work. So yeah. I, and I know some people are going to be like, that's, it, it, it doesn't. Believe me, <laughs> I've done it. <laughs> Big, hairy, audacious goals. The BHAG. I love that term. Yeah. So let's talk about examples where we haven't followed through on commitments. I think that might be good. And it's kind of, it might take both of us a minute here. So if, it, if we're quiet for a second, then I'll always cut it out so that they don't hear it. But um, I joined soccer for a little kid. while as a kid. And I'm talking more in our adult lives. Is there something in your adult life over the last few years that you think you committed to and then didn't really take the the necessary action and follow through? Yeah, I can think of something. Would you? Would I mean? Can you give the example? Is it? Is it personal? Is it? No, I can. I can. It's not. It's with work. I was going to sit for the CFP exam. The uh, Chartered Financial Planner exam, which is like CPA type equivalent for accountants, if you know what that is, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was going to sit for that. And because of my background at GU with accounting, it, some portion of it got waived. So I had to sit mm-hmm. for certain sections of it, uh, or I had to study for certain sections of it. You had to pass practice exams prior to being able to sit for like the four sections, right? So you had four different sections that you would sit for this big old test. And then you get the alphabet soup at the end of your name and all that, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so. Yeah, once you get this thing. And so I remember studying for it. I love when people put it in their email signature and I'm just like, you're fucking asshole. Or on their LinkedIn. Yeah. Is the other one. They have like four of them after their name on their yeah. LinkedIn. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. But yeah. yeah. Just like, douche. <laughs> Both of us. <laughs> you can tell how we think collegiate douche. But um, so I started the exam. And, or I started the study and got most of the way through it all. And there were just some sections that I could not pass. And they were the sections that were dealing for the most part with like uh, property and casualty insurance, and like which forms you were supposed to fill out for property and casualty insurance. And I got so pissed off that I, cause it was, I was like, this has nothing to do with finance. Like which forms do I need to fill out for a car wreck? Like, for an insurance car, like the claim forms, like this is the dumbest thing and I couldn't pass it. So I just got so pissed off and depressed that I didn't do it and said, this isn't going to make me any more money. This is stupid. I don't want to do it. And I still kind of feel that way, but I also kind of wish I would uh, just finish the stupid thing. Why don't you do it now? That's what I was worried that you were going with this. <laughs> I could do it now. I mean, probably at this very moment time would be a bad life decision with a f- six-week-old, but... Well, I'm also of the opinion, I mean, I agree with your, your, the way you broke it down there. Is it going to make me more money? No. It's like that math teacher, 
Again, I probably have told this story, but on the off chance I haven't, I got suspended from school because I refused to do homework because the math teacher couldn't give me a real world application for when I would use it. A fucking quadratic equation. You can show me a quadratic equation to this day. I don't need to do that. Yeah. They told me I wouldn't have a calculator in my pocket my whole life. I carry one every fucking day. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I didn't know that was going to be the case. Yeah, you got lucky on that one. Bro. I just knew there is no conceivable place or time that a quadratic equation is going to serve me any purpose. Yeah. If the apocalypse comes and I have to reinvent stuff, I'm going to have to find somebody else that does quadratic equations. I don't care to do it. You can't give me a reason that I'm doing this. I'm not doing it was what I told the teacher, right? Now, <laughs> the well, rational... You were a little shit as a kid, weren't you? I'm still a little shit. Yeah. But the rational side in me now, could I have done quadratic equations? Absolutely. All right? And I used to do a little bit in the stand-up where I thought the teacher was playing a joke on me when he, like, 3B plus 4C. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Well, you're, did we merge English and math class? Like... One's a number, one's a letter. <laughs> Never did the B times table. Again, got sent out of the room for being a smart arse. But I, where I'm going with this is, if it's not going to make you money, don't waste your time on it. Yeah. If it's not going to serve you well down the line, don't waste your time on it. That's why I tell most people, a master's degree is a piece of paper that's going to cost you a shitload of money and isn't going to do anything for you in terms of finances. There's the odd occasion where someone might only hire you if you've got a master's degree it'll promote you it's my advice there with you have a master's degree. no my advice there is don't work for a company that requires a degree hire for aptitude teach skills right so anyway that's where i'm going with that i only ask the question just to fuck with you and i know you like fun. to do that okay your turn all right something that i wish i'd followed through on um i can think a lot of little instances where when I was younger I would volunteer for everything mm -hmm. I would say oh yeah I can do that I can do that and I had a skill set or multiple skill sets and you would volunteer on boards or committees or whatever and you would walk out of there with a list of shit to do and show up at the next meeting like yeah I did about half of it sorry like I didn't follow through but if you really want like a, a singular example I have what's called the UEFA B license which in American terms is the equivalent of, maybe not so much now, but when I first came here, is the equivalent of a, a soccer coaching license, basically. It's the equivalent of a, of a degree in soccer, and most Americans don't even get to that level. But there is an A license. There's both a UEFA Pro license, which is A, and there's a US A license. And every year, people would say, well, why don't you do the A license? And... I actually wish I'd done it just to have it. Mm -hmm. A couple of times I started the prerequisite coursework and I'm like, I don't need to do this shit. So it's almost a regret that I didn't do it. My friend Kenny, who you've met, yeah. he's an A-licensed coach here. Um, but the body, again, the body of work that I had to do just to get the B-license in order to come here and, and be at the level I was at kind of pisses all over what a lot of those guys well, that see, have that's a license interesting. It's did. the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, but, so we put all this time and effort into something that is, is a lot of work. 
not going to have a whole lot of impact on change or how we service our clients or really the level at which our clients are serviced because some of the stupid information in there you don't even doesn't even impact our clients. Yeah. Like I'm not filling out their property and casualty forms, but it's it's an interesting <laughs> cycle. But it's uh, I just but can't stand. Honestly, it. I say I regret it a little bit. It kind of hammers home my previous point and that. I'll still coach, and I, you know I'm out of the game. I haven't coached in Sub -coach. uh, probably a year. I go yeah. out and guest coach every now and again. But I can still coach, and I can still talk the game, and I'll run rings around any American that you want me to talk the game with. I've literally forgotten more about soccer than most Americans will ever know, just because I've been around it since the day and minute I could walk and grew up in an environment where I was just steeped in it. And you don't have that culture here. Even people that have played it their whole lives here don't have the understanding, the knowledge, and the aptitude that I and other Europeans have. Mm -hmm. There's a reason we were sought after. I know that sounds really cocky. Um, I can have intelligent conversations with some Americans about it, but they just don't see the game the same way. It, they think it's a coach's game and it's a player's game. And the best coaches instill that in their players. But um, where I was going with that is it hammers home, because I know people that have this A license here in America that are useless on the field but they've studied to pass the test now the ussf which is the united states soccer federation has okay. morphed a little bit in the last few years to make it much more difficult and instead of just saying you have an a license now you can do like a pro license where you're working with professional teams a collegiate license where you're only working in the college game a youth A license where you're working in the youth game and you so can do like a, yeah so they've, ABC they've, within the A's. rather than this one size fits all Oy. because coaching a professional soccer player versus coaching a youth player is very different yep. and we found that I think I've talked about this even on the podcast before I always believed that the best coaches should be working with younger kids should be working with seven eight nine ten eleven year olds and getting the great fundamentals hammered into them there as opposed to the model we have in America is that those guys, those A-licensed coaches, those B-licensed coaches want to work with the best 15, 16, 18-year-olds. And it's like, well, if they have pretty much learned everything they're going to learn about the game. They just have to practice. The younger ones are the ones that need your knowledge and your aptitude. Go, you, go low and it will serve them up high. Like I could give... Players, if I had players from the age of 8 to 14, I could hand them off to a monkey. And that monkey could organise them to go out and win a soccer game. That's how much I believe in myself here. But, yeah, I don't know why we're talking about this. Yeah, I don't know where you're going. Where I was going was, that was where I probably should have committed a little more time and resources to it. I think I have the level of respect that I've always going to have. But just not having an A licence in some places, it's like, oh, you're a B and I'm an A. And it's like, yeah, but I'm a UEFA B. And you're a USA kind of thing. Ooh. So. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. yeah. We're better than you and I'm a B. So, so I think there's a there's a formula here, right? So Well, I can tell you what the formula is. Go for it. Commitment plus follow through equals success. But there's more to it than that, right? So absolutely is that's there? that's a great formula. Hmm. Commitment plus follow through equals success. Yeah. But but you can be as another committed asterisk. as you want and follow through on a bad plan and not get success. So True. I think between the commitment and the follow through is planning. you got to adapt. So I think commitment, planning, and follow through 
equal success. Community planning, adaptation. And then the follow-through, there's got to be adaptation. Yeah. yeah. You've got to be willing to adapt. So, well, and that's, I think, that's almost... That's in everything. I mean, yeah. you got to. I mean, I'm not doing business the same way I thought I was going to do business eight, nine years ago. Right? You're probably not doing. Business you don't do the business the way, way we thought we were going to do business six fucking months ago. <laughs> that's a really good point. Yeah, this that's a really good point. COVID. Oh, COVID, you bastard. Yeah. Can we talk about COVID a little bit? Can I have a rant? <laughs> you think that I can stop you, Mister Rant? I'm just over it. I don't even need to rant. Uh, we talked all fair. Yeah, I think everybody's burnt out on COVID at this point. Everybody wants it to go away. We want to travel again. We want to go out. We want to drink with our friends. We want to have fun. And the political posturing needs to stop. See, now I just poked the bear. Watch, Steve. The political posturing. It's all politis- a bit of political at this point. You just said in a really concise and polite way what I would have talked about for five minutes and sworn a lot. <laughs> And called a lot of clowns out and <laughs> local clowns specifically. Um, what did I have you write down? Competition after thoughts. You can't remember it, can you? No, but I will. <laughs> <laughs> I knew. I was like, I should write down more. He's oh, not going to remember. I do remember what okay, it was. Okay, no. So I've been playing an absolute buttload of golf. Buttload. And I'm committed and following through on really trying to get better at golf, right? Me too. And I think it's the perfect game for me at this point in my life. Because you're getting older? Because I'm not competing against anybody but me. I know. So why is that the perfect game for you? Why? why because right now I know I can't go on the golf course and beat some of my friends. I know who I can compete with. I know who I'm better than. But every time I get on the course, I can get a stroke or two better. I can get a few strokes worse. But I make breakthroughs on every single round. Like, I'll do something that I wasn't able to execute before. Yeah, You might not be able to do it the following time, but that time, yeah. But there's um, I'm at this precipice where I'm learning to hit the ball much better than I've ever hit it. And one of these days, I'm going to go for a round that's really comparable with a bunch of my friends. Yeah, you're going to have that round. I'm that close, right? And the reason I'm saying that's good for me at this point in my life from a competitive standpoint and why it's not comparable to any other game or any other endeavor. So, like, people talk about finding running later in life. I fucking hate running, right? You know this. Like, I don't want to run for a long time. If I run a marathon, even if I do a personal best, I'm paying somebody a load of money to run a few minutes quicker. It doesn't make sense for me, right? With golf, it's not like that. With golf, every single time I do it, whether I go to the range, putt on a green only, play a full round, go to a swing suite, whatever I do, I'm making breakthroughs over and over. And I'm constantly competing with myself. And then when I add in the cerebral nature of it, that's where the commitment and follow-through part links it. And I think I'm just at a really good point. I mentioned that when I play soccer, I'm at half speed. When I compete against other people and other things, I don't go as hard. I don't think I would put myself in the situation that I described with the axe thrown ever again mm-hmm. because I've got golf. So, yeah, golf's my 
my competitive outlet from now until the day I die or can't walk anymore, whatever one happens. <laughs> well, well, and golf's such a bipolar sport too. It's funny how mentally, like, I mean, you could have one heck of a swing and hit the ball down the middle of the fairway, 250 mm-hmm. yards or whatever, and it just looks like a beauty shot. And then you chunk it off into the water on the next. Well, <laughs> and it's just like, God dang it. Like, it just screwed up a perfect We've only played a couple times together this year, right? Yeah, at least I once. remember I'm at least sure. one of the times we yeah. played. I was crushing the ball with my driver, right? I was nogging it 280, 300 yards, really crushing it with a driver. But the rest of my game was bad. And then I go to the range the other day, and every club in my bag, swinging easy, making contact. like, And I'm talking like, you know those shots where you make the contact and you just know it's good. You don't even need to look. And then you look up and you see it nestle exactly the distance it's supposed to go. Except my driver. Spraying that sucker all over. The driver was going straight, but not far. And it was infuriating. I mean, I've got a $600 driver. I got 40% off of it through a friend's discount code with TaylorMade. But I've got a $600 piece of equipment that I can't use. (laughs) And if I'm playing around, I'm probably going to leave it in my bag until I can perfect it. And it's infuriating. But the positive is every other club in my bag... I'm hitting really well. Oh, and you were hitting your driver good, so it'll come back. Yeah. Like I said, I'm just, I'm at that point where I can leave the driver in the bag. I can give up 40, 50, 60 yards and hit a three wood. Yeah. And then I'm hitting another club that I'm good with. And then you're not chunking it one way or the other. Until I'm good with it, right? So it's just that, I love the cerebral nature of it. You meant it, the mental, it it can drive you bonkers. (laughs) Totally. And if you have a short memory, you can go and, eight putt <laughs> I haven't eight putted but you can take three putts on mm-hmm. a hole that you should have put in in one right uh, like to the one flag. putt you should Just have one putt right yeah. and then if you can forget that on the next hole you can go and hit the shot of your life yep. no, and that's I love true. the cerebral nature of it but so. that is life in general though Yeah. I mean as soon as you feel like you're striking out is usually when something positive happens right I mean in finance we see yeah. that it's like shitty month shitty month shitty month biggest month of your life and all of a sudden, yep. your income has just gone up by a substantial amount. It's like you just never know when you're going to have that great fairway hit mm-hmm. that's just dead center down the middle. I mean, yeah. So you just got to try and stay mentally positive. <laughs> so here's my uh, here's my my commitment with the follow through. I told you I'm going to really commit to getting good at golf. Right now, I can range from ninety to 100 right consistently and when I get to 89.90 that's a good round for me I'm going to tell you that within a year so before August next year at one of our local Spokane courses I'm not going to go to a pitch and putt or anything like that and call an audible pitch and putt Um, I'll shoot sub 85 sub 85 committed to shaving six shots off my game consistently in the next year well I'm going to put that in my phone right now so we have a timer that goes off in a year mm-hmm. so in a year Stephen you said 86 right sub 85 that means under 85 85 or less yeah 85 or less in one and everybody that's listening can hold me to that as well. Stephen still owes me a burger, by the way. If you're place. listening, well, we haven't been able to go out. 
like geez like barely plus you've been gone a lot and I've been gone a lot August um, 24th, 2021. Here we go. But I did see that uh, Churchill's is opening back up. So there we go. I like it. We'll have to go get a drink and a burger. On a Wednesday. Um, well, so yeah, there a nice you go. shorter one today. We got some good interviews coming down the pipe. We just scheduled yeah. one today. And I actually ran into another one this morning at the car wash. And he's like, I know I owe you a call. I didn't even say anything. <laughs> yeah yours have been like i reach out to people and it's like yeah and then oh yeah a yeah. couple no it's not you but a couple that we've reached out to are like yeah reach out to me again my and then, last two have been like yeah. that so if now so, people are going to know we're going to get two interviews that we just talked about yeah. that one got scheduled and how we, we came a tangent we went off on a few tangents today but that's all right i thought it was a good you should talk. just call it tangents tangents the, the with Stephen and ben tangents. tangenty Tangentialism is that a yeah. word? That is a word. What's that word mean? I don't know. Look it up on the on the Google. Hey Siri, what does tangentialism mean? Okay, I found this on the web for what does tangent vandalism mean. Check it out. <laughs> tangent vandalism. I don't know what that means. Uh, maybe someone will tell us. Let's see if my Siri gets it. Hey Siri, what does tangentialism mean? <laughs> tangent dentalism yeah what is that? It, it, it looked up tangent uh, anyway um if you know what that means you can text ben and i will probably type it in and search it <laughs> i if you if you ever want to maybe we should record this sometime go through a drive-thru with me ordering between siri and drive-thrus it just doesn't work that would be awesome with a scottish accent that would be awesome but yeah so cool. thank you guys for listening please rate review share ben anything to add until the next time be good to yourselves and to each other he always steals my line now tell him to stop this people <laughs> stop if this you, people. if you see him in the street just say stop stealing steven's line stop stealing steven's line boom boom